0: that we might grow to be complete in Christ. I really don't know how I feel about it. I have some misgivings to be sure. My sense of what is ultimately true overrides the hesitancy, and that is how I feel anyway. So I've concluded that it is a shame and a great tragedy being thrust upon the world, and particularly upon the people of Turkey. I'm referring to the recent decision taken by the government of Turkey to deface and obscure a magnificent ancient and historic church from the Byzantine period. The story was reported in a recent Economist magazine. I read it with dismay, and as I've mentioned, some mixed emotions. Obviously, the decision they made in Turkey doesn't directly impact me living here in the Bahamas, but I was just saddened because I do tend to be a traditionalist, and to read about the probable destruction of so much history and tradition is terrible in my eyes. Turkey was, of course, a center for the growth and development of Christianity in ages gone by, During its heyday, as they say, wonderful things were accomplished in the name of the Lord. In Turkey, great churches with magnificent frescoes were built, and many fabulous works of art were created that can actually challenge the ones in Rome for their beauty and Christian relevance. What has been happening, however, is that the mildly Muslim government in Turkey has been taking over many of these ancient Byzantine churches and converting them into mosques. But in doing so, in order to be acceptable to the Muslims who will worship there, all the existing Christian images must be removed, or at least totally obscured from view. To the faithful Muslim, what they claim to be the sinful art painted in the intricate ceilings of these churches must be covered so that the faithful will not be offended. The numerous and wonderful mosaics on the floors of the churches are to be covered over with red carpets and even the gardens are to be filled with Muslim artifacts that will be used to disguise and hide and camouflage all the existing statues and art depicted by Christian images. At least I thought, as I read the article, the Turkish Ministry of Antiquities has prevented the destruction of all this wonderful heritage and irreplaceable cultural extravaganza. But it is of little immediate and practical value because no one can see it or appreciate it. Unlike the Taliban in Afghanistan, where the images of other religions were destroyed, these are being preserved, though unseen. At least not yet, but I was still sad As I read this report, all of this history and major change in Europe actually began back in the 15th century with the arrival of the Ottoman conquerors who captured the then Christianized cities like Constantinople and thus began the vast Ottoman Empire that lasted for many years. While today that empire of the believers in Mohammedan exists no longer, Turkey still lives in its Islamic shadow, and as I mentioned, its government is considered mildly Islamic even now. The article to which I referred in The Economist was headed, Erasing the Christian Past, which is itself revealing and tells a sad, sad story. While all this is happening as I write these words, I also feel that it is correct to say while not so prominent and predominant in the West as it is in the Middle East, the same can be said of our culture, both here in the UK and in America. While these governments, uh, the countries I mentioned, are not outwardly Islamist, many of the same influences exist among us even now. I wonder if it might also be said of us that we are erasing our Christian past in many respects. Many of the decisions taken by the Western governments, the laws that are being created, the societal norms that are being forced upon us, the overarching mentality of the influential people in our cultures and our governments are imposing their worldview on us. And that view is certainly not Christian. Our children will be growing up in a society that is really quite different from that in which we older folk grew up. As I ponder these troublesome thoughts and conclusions, I am reminded yet again that we draw ever closer to the Lord's return for his church. I can only pray with the Apostle. Even so, come, Lord Jesus.
1: like the dew on the mountains descending join our hearts together in love join our hearts together in love for they're the Lord Amen.
0: This message for today, our senior pastor emeritus Alan Lee. Good morning. We are continuing to look
2: at the subject of worship. And based on three passages of scripture, namely John four twenty-three, Philippians three-three, and first John one nine, we have come up with the working definition for worshiping in spirit and in truth. That definition is to worship in spirit and in truth. Means to give honor or worth to God with a pure heart, cleansed by the blood of Christ through confession and through the enablement of the Holy Spirit, apart from fleshly motivation or influence. Now, we have already considered the meaning and implications of the first two phrases to give honor or worth to God and with a pure heart through confession. We did that in our last message. We also began to discuss the third phrase in the definition, namely, to worship through the enablement of the Holy Spirit apart from fleshly motivation or influence. The emphasis here is that worship in spirit and in truth is worship that is completely void of worldly or selfish contamination. Moses' confrontation with Pharaoh illustrates this requirement quite vividly. You recall that in Exodus chapter 7, Pharaoh refused Moses' first request to let the people of God go to worship him. God sends Moses back to the ruler with the same demand. But again, Pharaoh refuses. So the first plague is inflicted upon Egypt. The river Nile turns into blood. But again, Pharaoh refuses to let the people go. So God inflicts the land with a second plague, frogs. Pharaoh refuses again, so God sends a third plague, lice. Pharaoh still refuses, so a fourth plague is imposed, flies. Now he begins to bend a little. Notice Exodus chapter 8, verse 25. Quote, then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God here in the land. Now, this is the first way Satan seeks to contaminate our worship, by worshiping according to the customs and dictates of the world, not in spirit and in truth. He says, Go, sacrifice to your God in this country, meaning, worship God in the world, in a worldly fashion, in the flesh, which is contrary to the passage in Philippians 3, verse 3. Now, I challenge anyone who is truly objective and truthful in their evaluation to deny that most of what we call worship in our churches today are drawn from and influenced by what is done in the entertainment world. Is it not true that the emphasis for the most part is on how much hype and excitement we can generate in our services? How much time of focus is put on true heart preparation and confession of sin before offering worship. How much time is spent on reflection and meditation as compared to clapping, shouting, and dancing around? Now, please don't misunderstand me. I believe that clapping and singing in a loud voice and even perhaps dancing are appropriate forms and expressions of worship in the right place at the proper time. But these must not be forced, contrived, or done without regard to order godly decorum and just plain decency we're going to talk about these things in a later message my point here is that corporate worship in spirit and in truth through the enablement of the holy spirit should also involve a time for introspection confession and quiet reflection upon the one we are worshiping i dare say that many times we get so caught up in the beat of the music the excited prompting of the worship or song leader that we actually forget that we are supposed to be worshiping a holy god rather than experience a high for ourselves in a rock concert type of an atmosphere pharaoh as we said is a picture of satan himself and he tried to entice moses a picture of the people of god to worship in his land in the land of egypt a picture of the world but moses stands his ground And verse 26 it says, But Moses said, This would not be right. The sacrifices we offer the Lord our God would be detestable to the Egyptians. And if we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes, will they not stone us? We must take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord, notice now, as our God commands us. Moses is adamant here, He says to Pharaoh, If we offer worship to our God in the way you have suggested, it would not even be acceptable to you as pagan people. We must worship the way God has commanded us. But the old devil won't give up. He offers Moses another compromise. In verse 26, the text says, Pharaoh said, I will let you go to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the desert, but you must not go very far. Now pray for me. What a shrewd hypocrite Pharaoh is. Don't go very far. In other words, he's saying stay as close to worldly worship as you can. Mix a little spirituality in it with the fleshly. Mix truth with error. This is what he is suggesting. Many churches, I'm afraid, are doing this very thing today when it comes to worship. Rather than get as far away from worldly influence and methods as they know they should, Instead, they try to see how close they can get to the world and still call their means and action Christian. The result is a diluted and contaminated worship, worship that is not acceptable by God because it is not worship in spirit and in truth. However, Pharaoh reneges on his offer. So God sends Moses before Pharaoh again. And in chapter 9, verse 1, the text says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go, so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your horses and donkeys and camels and on your cattle and your sheep and your goats. Pharaoh refuses, and the fifth plague is imposed. Death to all the livestock. But Pharaoh still stubbornly refuses to let God's people go to worship him as he commanded. And so a sixth plague is inflicted, boils. But Pharaoh still refuses, and so a seventh plague is imposed. Hail, verse 13 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrew says. Let my people go so that they may worship me, or this time I will send the full force of my plagues against you, against your officials and your people, so you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. Pharaoh refuses, and the hail devastates the land. But then Pharaoh weakens a little. It says in verse 27, Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. This time I have sinned, he said to them, The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. But after God stops to hail, Pharaoh again hardens his heart and goes back on his word. So God promises an eight plague, and that is locusts. Pharaoh relents a little, but then he says in chapter 10, verse 10, The Lord be with you, if I let you go along with your women and children. Clearly you are bent on evil. no. Have only the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you have been asking for. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. In other words, Pharaoh, who is a picture of the devil here, says, Go and worship, but leave your family behind. Don't be concerned with family relations or responsibilities when you worship. It doesn't matter that you are living an adulterous life. Go and worship anyway. It doesn't matter that you are an abusive husband and father. Go and worship anyway. It doesn't matter that you waste your money on wine, women, and song rather than providing for your family. Go and worship anyway. It doesn't matter whether you are obeying, respecting, or honoring your parents. Go and worship anyway. That's the thrust of Pharaoh's offer. Friend, when you believe these things, You believe the lives of the evil one himself. But yet, how many husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, and children worship Lord's Day after Lord's Day under such conditions and situations? How sad? Because the Bible is clear. God does not receive such worship. Moses refused the offer of the God of this world, represented by Pharaoh, so the plague of locusts is imposed as promised by God. But again, Pharaoh pleads for mercy, so the plague is lifted. But again, he refuses to let the people go. So a ninth plague is imposed, darkness. As a result, Pharaoh relents with reference to families, but he imposes another obstacle in the path of God's people to worship the way God wants them to worship. Verse 24 says, Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go worship, even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. In other words, Pharaoh is saying, don't use your wealth or possessions when you worship God. Don't let your worship cause you anything. But Moses would have nothing to do with this idea. Friends, we must worship God not only with our entire being, spirit, soul, and body, emotion, intellect, and volition, but also with all that we have, money, wealth, possessions as well. Listen to his response in Exodus 10.25. But Moses said, you must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice them to the Lord our God. Therefore, our livestock too will go with us. Not a hoof will be left behind, for we shall take some of them to worship and serve the Lord our God. And until we arrive there, We ourselves do not know what we shall worship and serve the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Beware, do not see my face again, for in the day you see my face you shall die. And Moses says, You are right, I shall never see your face again. But you know the rest of the story. Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let God's people go to worship him the way God desired until the death angel killed every firstborn of the Egyptians. Even then, Pharaoh relented and pursued the Israelites to try to enslave them again. God finally destroyed him and his army by driving them into the Red Sea, and all because he tried to prevent God's people from worshipping God the way he demanded, in spirit and in truth, apart from fleshly or worldly influence. My friends, Satan, the god of this world, of whom Pharaoh is a picture, as I said, does the same thing today, tries to prevent God's people from worshipping him in spirit and in truth through the enablement of the Holy Spirit, free from the influence of the world, the flesh, and the devil. The Christian as an individual and the church as a corporate body must be like Moses. We must resist and reject all such enticements or compromise when it comes to worshiping God. It will cost us to make this decision and worship in this fashion. Even some Christians will oppose you. But we must obey the word of God and seek to worship him in the way he dictates, the way he prescribes, not as the world or the flesh dictates. I say again, according to the word of God, We must worship God in spirit and in truth, with a heart and life cleansed by the blood of Christ through confession of sin, through the enablement of the Holy Spirit, and free from fleshly motivation or influence. Friends, these are the kind of worshipers God is seeking today. Let me ask you a question as we close. Are you such a worshiper? Is your church such a worshiping church? As always, this is Pastor Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things.
0: Address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as Echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout. Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. Therefore
3: evermore forevermore to stay. The great commander's promise He will surely come again I am listening every moment For the mighty trumpets sound What a time we'll have together When the saints shall leave the ground And our toiling will be over happening